This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Happened in mid-November. If you are indeed being transparent, why the continued trickle of disclosure around these classified documents? We have released multiple statements from the White House and President Biden's personal attorney has released multiple statements over the last month uh, walking through the process and agreeing to be fully. All right, Kate Bedenfield, she's with the White House. Uh, she's not answering the question. Very good question by CNN because he's saying, listen, you're telling us you're being transparent. You didn't come here of your own volition, by the way. I had to reach out to you and get you to come be on my TV show so I can question you about this stuff, especially the latest thing. One of the things we know now this morning, the FBI searched Joe Biden's former, and I giggle every time I say Biden and think tank in the same sentence. I probably shouldn't do that. It's not very nice, but it's a natural reaction. And, you know, I will always be honest with you. Uh, this was previously not disclosed. The White House and Biden's legal team did not. Pre- of course, they haven't disclosed anything to us, especially the first batch of files that were found prior to the midday. If you are a midterm election, if you get a chance, New York Times did a really, really good piece. And I think it was called like 67 days or something like that. And it had to do with the 67 days from the time the first documents were discovered at the Penn Biden think tank. Uh, until we knew how many days between that and the midterm election, because they had these before the midterm election. Great piece on it, uh, New York Times. So I'm wondering, so the FBI is involved. So what, and now we heard from Marco Rubio yesterday, what's in the documents? What's in the stuff? What's in the stuff? And I don't know that we'll ever know. There is movement in D.C. saying, hey, listen, uh, let us know. And by the way, they're shedding more light this morning on, well, it was six pages. It was nine pages. We didn't hear that. Uh, and, you know, I don't like to play what about us, but we didn't hear that in the other stuff. It was, oh, it's just pages. It was documents and batches. And whenever the stuff was found on Biden's person, it was, well, it's only four pages, four different pieces of paper. It's ten pieces of paper, uh, four boxes in addition to four boxes. Uh, team also, the Biden team also gave the archives possession of about three dozen boxes of unclassified materials. Uh, important enough unclassified, but important enough that, hey, y'all should take a look at this. Marsh, best you can tell, are we putting in any more found documents by anybody? I said this on Tobler's show last week. Tobler's here weekdays four to six. I wouldn't be surprised if in the coming days it's either a W, Quail, Gore, Clinton, Obama comes forward. Harry Truman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, look what I found in my basement by the fake Christmas tree. I wouldn't be surprised. That too oh, bold. Me either. Too bold of a statement, Marsh. No, not at all. And and checking our tally this morning, nothing new. But it's only six eleven <laughs> in the morning. In the day. Uh, by the way, guest co-host this morning, Steve Spellman, does a lot in Mid-Missouri, writes for a Mid-Missouri newspaper a lot, does opinion pieces for the Missourian. Really, really good one coming out as it relates to what happens in our public schools, incidentally. Too far off to think, hey, in the next few days, and we got to put a time frame on it, because if I'm going to bet some of producer Hannah's salary, i got to put a time frame <laughs> on it. Yeah, that's only right. I'm betting a week's worth of Hannah's salary. That within seven days from today, more dot. Somebody else has got. Oh, uh, by the way, I had these in the in the <laughs> thing right next to the flower in the pantry, because that's where I keep stuff. You taking those odds, Steve? 
Uh, it's a thing. You know, I was, <laughs> yeah. uh, teasing my boss the other day. He was like cleaning out some drawers and a closet. He was like, hey, you got any classified documents in there? It seems to be a thing. Everybody and their dogs got this stuff. Uh, coming up, we're going to cover some more of this. Coming up in the daily DC rundown. Steph's going to be back in a few days. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather. There's Brian Houseworth. Got some big news today about Chuck Basie. We're going to get into that. There's producer Hannah. Good morning. That's John Marsh. Here, sir. Steve Spellman is here, too. Good morning, sir. Glad you can come in, man. Always like it. Uh, yeah, this is fun. Oh, yeah, I'm cool. Stephanie away doing things. Uh, glad to fill in. Yeah. So, uh, anxious to, to hear some of your take on things happening here in uh, in mid-Missouri. So, again, more big news. Chuck Basie, former state rep, went to run for school board. And I have laughed. He was on the show yesterday, and people saying, well, well, why didn't he just file? Because the story is he went to file. School was closed. School had their own election laws. The state, everybody had even said beforehand, I, I can't believe, uh, and I'm guessing maybe CPS isn't paying that attorney any money to not think that this was not a big deal, especially what she said said to the judge when she lost that case the other day. Sure. What did she say? Well, she wanted to know which well, which, which law are you which, talking about? Uh, what, basically, the, the one of the things she said is which policy violated state law and the judge, he was he he, he was he paused uh, Judge Jacobs and said, I've issued my ruling. This policy that brought us to this yeah, courtroom yeah. today, that's the one you violate. Yeah. I can't believe CPS pays that person. She's from St. Louis. Money. My goodness. So, uh, Chuck wanted to get on the ballot. School said, well, we have our rules about when you can. And, well, state law says huh, local electioneering laws can't trump uh, our laws. And then uh, the progressives, I assume, uh, people that are upset, people that are afraid that Chuck Basie could win a school board seat, uh, saying, well, why didn't he go earlier? The law says he has until a date. It doesn't matter. Well, why didn't he just do it earlier? The law, that, that doesn't matter. The law, if you have a law that yeah. says you can do yeah, this until right. then, so yeah. get out of here. And yeah. that is what the, that is literally what the judge was ruling on. It's not, and I did, I saw a lot of those tweets as well, saying he should have, you know, filed the rules or filed earlier. The reality is the judge was strictly looking at the state law that passed yeah. in 2022. Mm -hmm. It all boiled down to the word yeah. shall, and he had until 5 o'clock. Some concerned citizen, whether it's Chuck or anybody else, wants to step forward to be on a local <laughs> school board, you know, to be on the election. Well, if you've got on a Tuesday at 5 o'clock's a deadline, you anticipate that place is going to be open to let you in. But, you know, school districts are closed over winter holiday, and I think it's, I think the school district in the bureaucracy would have treated anybody probably similar. And they had this rule, well, you got to call ahead because we're going to be closed. I don't you, agree you have, with that, by the way, have, Steve. <laughs> you can't have somebody show up, be on call. You have a, a, a number at the door, or, hey, come in, do some work, just sit around if, if till 5 o'clock on that day. If somebody happens to come by, you can accept them, too, to actually comply with state law. And, Brandon, uh, to what Steve just said, what the attorney, Ms. Horschmeyer, said in response to that, and this is not in Chuck Basie's filing, but she's saying she interpreted it from his filing. She is saying that Basie was arguing that that office should have been open 24-7. People should be allowed to file at 3 o'clock in the morning and even during yeah. an ice storm. Yeah. And uh, Basie and his attorney said he was not saying that. He was saying during business hours, 8 to 5. And and that's what it really boiled down to. Michelle Baumstark said they're not going to appeal, so there will be no appeal to the Western District. So the new thing is he he's going on the ballot. Judge yes. told Brianna Lennon, Boone County Clerk, you got to do this. you got to get that name on the ballot. Yeah, there's three very short things. Number one, he is on the ballot. 
ballot, that's for sure. He'll be on the April ballot. I don't know where he'll be listed, but he'll be on there. Number two, CPS is not appealing, so there there is nothing there. But thirdly, and this is something Chuck talked about briefly on the show yesterday, he wants the attorney fees to be paid. That is not addressed in the judge's order. I've got a story up, kws.com, 939theeagle.com. Hmm. Two-page ruling, there's no mention of attorney's fees. You might remember Laura Nowser, former Wake Up Mid-Missouri family member, former city councilwoman right. in uh, Columbia, was on this show for several years. The story on how she first ran to become a city council member, it was like the deadline that day. And yep. apparently she was fifth ward, the, Matt, uh, the, the ward currently held by Matt Pitzer, and decided, yeah, I'm going to do this. There's nobody else. People have yeah. said, hey, we need a good candidate because what's out there now ain't doing it. So as a good conservative, she went out like that day going door to yeah. door to get all that stuff. Had to go to, and I can't remember who it, I want to say Wendy Norn, that may not, whoever the clerk was at the time. Yeah, that probably would have been right. Wendy Norn. Went to Wendy Noren's house to deliver the stuff to get her on the ballot. Because as I recall, as I recollect, when Lauren Hauser tells this story, huh. uh, it says that the deadline is this day. But there was uh, no specification whether by this day, 5 o'clock, or by this day, 11.59 huh. p.m. Nobody knew. So the point being uh, that, that Wendy Norton, if that's who was clerk at the time, time so well, this is the state law. So that's the other thing. Columbia Public School, obviously them and their, that attorney that just lost that case, they didn't know what the law is. Isn't that why you hire attorneys? They didn't know what it is. If they did know what it is, they would have made some type of arrangements so they would be in compliance yeah. with the state it, law, just like yeah. Wendy Norton did. And I wonder how many every everyday citizens, it isn't on Chuck Basie, that wasn't uh, on, in the state representative, elected Official was the, what the chair of the education committee in our state legislature in the capital, you know, that maybe showed up and oh, they're closed. Well, I guess I can't file. I wonder how many people in the past have done something like that, but we just never heard from them because they're like, well, I guess I'm not empowered to do so. I mean, he called the secretary of state Jay Ashcroft immediately. Where, yeah, he was like out in the woods hunting or something, uh, you know, and said, hey, go do the next best thing, go down to the county clerk and file there and try to do something. Chuck made a best effort, you know, uh, best effort to try to do this, to comply with the law. And an average person, they see December 27th at 5 p.m. is a deadline. Well, they can assume that they can go down to the office and file. Oh, we're closed that day for the holiday. Well, well, something's off here. And yep. Maybe state legislature should come back and, and adjust that or something. So it's another example of ineptitude on part of the Columbia Public School District. They didn't know a very simple state law. And then when it was brought to their attention, they arrogantly tried to challenge it. And then they feebly lost in a courtroom where you had a judge who, in my opinion, from what Brian Houseworth says, he had to really... He had to think about maintaining his composure because of the stupidity that he was witnessing on behalf of the Columbia Public School District. A little bit later, uh, I do want to cover later here in the show. We had a lot of things happening this morning, things that are going to be impacting uh, you. Scott Fawn, Missouri Times. He's going to be joining us 710, talking about some legislation. By the way, the parent, the parental bill of rights happening in Jefferson City right now. I think every single parent here in mid-Missouri, every single grandparent will want to hear this, want to hear... Uh, Fawn's take. And 4th Congressional District Congressman Mark Alford, he's here. Uh, and Steve, this is something you're passionate about, doing away uh, less roadblocks, restrictions, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, right. Just kind of deregulation. And, and he'll get into not steal his thunder, looking at a bit of a, a, a information sheet that you provided about uh, one a proposal I think he'll get into. is Rules that have been around for 100 years from a different era 
in our economy and our society that are still around, and they're preventing everyday average folks uh, from having economic freedom to try something else. Oh, well, you, you can only do this. You can't do that. Well, why not? Well, there's a rule. Why have the rule? I don't know. It's just there. It's because it's the way we've always done That's it. That's right, yeah. That's one of the most common reasons given. Well, why do we do it this way? Yeah. Oh no! And he's the new guy. He's gonna a fresh perspective. Great. And this is and and here's why I care because eventually it could it could streamline uh, streamline uh, stuff for people who produce meat, beef, uh, poultry, and uh, do away with some government regulation. And when you consider the uh, hundreds of millions, I think it's almost a billion dollars the ag industry brings into Missouri. This is important stuff. Important to you, Mark Alford, Congressman. He's going to be joining us at six thirty-five. Coming up five minutes from now, daily D.C. rundown. Uh, GOP presidential contenders were swiping through. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Whether they re-elect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win re-election, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. We almost doubled the previous record, which I think was like 780,000 vote margin. And so what I would just say is uh, that verdict has been rendered by the people of the state of Florida. A fantastic answer. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he was being peppered by a reporter yesterday. Well, what about Trump? What about this? He says you won't win. Ron DeSantis said, uh, oh, yeah? Uh, look at my record. Look at these record-breaking wins uh, that I've had. And that's getting us into today's daily D.C. Rundown. Steph's going to be back in a few days. I'm Brandon Rathard along with Steve Spellman. So, swipe next. Who's the next name out there potentially going to do something? Right now, it's Donald Trump. We heard from a report yesterday. Guy on CNN says, why are you guys knocking me that we're out here so early? We know it's only 2023, but this time in the 2020 uh, presidential cycle... Uh, there were already 10 candidates on board. Right now on the GOP, it's one. So, yeah, very different. Next, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is moving closer to making her presidential campaign official. Uh, today, supporters of the former South Carolina governor are going to be giving an email invite to a February 15th launch event in Charleston at which she plans to announce her campaign. Uh, this was first reported by a local newspaper in Charleston. She's 51, served as South Carolina's governor for six years before serving as President Trump's ambassador to the United Nations. When she enters the race, she is going to be the first contender to join the contest against her, her former boss, who is currently the sole Republican seeking the 2024 nomination. You put There's a lot of Republicans on the Republican side that you could put in the primary, and I'd go, yep, good candidate, yep, good candidate. Nikki Haley, would I put her on that list? Yeah. Would you, Steve? Is a good oh, candidate? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know how much I know. We'd have to get into some details of what she's about. But, yeah, I think more the merrier, you know. And I still, uh, I like DeSantis uh, as somebody who is an ardent right. Trump supporter, like DeSantis. We, we just, uh, DeSantis has the Trump mindset, uh, but he's got some of the restraint of maybe a, no, he doesn't have a lot of restraint either. All right. Next, Republican Representative George Santos of New York announcing he is temporarily stepping down from his two congressional committees. A move that comes amid a host of ethics issues at a day after he met with House Speaker 
Kevin McCarthy. Santos had faced numerous calls for his resignation and is facing multiple investigations by prosecutors over his personal and campaign finances and lies about his resume and family background. As a matter of fact, he did say something interesting yesterday uh, on the uh, on the House floor. I think that's worth playing here uh, real quick. Mr. Speaker, I rise today to honor the brave men and women of the Nassau County Police Department. Last week, the Nassau PD arrested eight men in New York's 3rd Congressional District who are said to be part of an organized theft group from South America. While I am grateful to their ongoing commitment to preventing these acts of violence, but for suburban New Yorkers in New York's 3rd Congressional District, we are seeing a major uptick in crime. I just thought that was interesting. We are seeing a major uptick in crime. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. From Mahomes' injuries to several key players, incredible amounts of outside noise and the referees against them the entire game, the Chiefs made short work of the Bungles. I mean, Bengals, and sent them off to the offseason. Well, I hope Eli Apple has fun in Cancun. I also hope that Mayor Jabroni and the rest of the Cincinnati fan base learned a valuable lesson last night. It is called Arrowhead. It is the loudest, toughest place to play in the NFL with the strongest fan base. All right, Mark Alford, Congressman Mark Alford. Uh, by the way, Congressman, I'm, I'm giving you some points. A couple good lines of this. <laughs> you get some points, man. I think I well, counted. thank you. Yeah, at least four. Mayor Jabroni, love the, the the mayor of Cincinnati. By the way, the other day, uh, so he he was dissing Kansas City, dissing uh, the Chiefs, right. and then Travis Kelsey on the field says, "Hey, uh, Jabroni," and the mayor's reaction after Travis Kelsey called him out and probably thirty million uh, people on TV. The Cincinnati mayor said. Yeah, I I had that uh, coming. Welcome into Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather, joined by Brian Hausworth, John Marsh, producer Hannah. Steve Spellman is hanging out with us today. Steph is going to be back in in a few days. We can talk about the Chiefs, but I, I, I want to start with this A-plus act and why somebody listening right now uh, should care. I want you to kind of bottom line this for us. Here's my big sure. takeaway. This is going to streamline, uh, ideally eventually make... Uh, more inexpensive, a lot of meat products. Tell us about the A-plus act. Yes. Uh, hey, thanks for having us on. I'm, I'm very honored to be on your show again, Brandon, uh, with your team. Uh, A-plus act, uh, I want to give credit to Madeline Dirks. Uh, she was the legislative assistant for Vicki Hartzer, and we hired her first thing because she is so brilliant with ag-related issues, knows everyone in the state of Missouri. And uh, she helped craft this bill originally for Vicki, uh, and now we introduced it uh, last week. Um, the Stockyards Act is 102 years old, and when it was created, it really had some safeguards for uh, cattlemen, the producers, uh, to regulate the industry. Because a lot of times, uh, they would take their herds into places like the, the Kansas City Stockyards and other places uh, in America. And there was, there was not that much separation between the people who uh, do the livestock auction and the buyers and the selling agents. And so a lot of times, uh, through their collusion and... and uh, uh, lack of transparency. The, the producer, the guy who's worked so hard to produce these head of cattle to get them there, would kind of get ripped off. Uh, they didn't really know where the money was going, how the, how it was, who was getting paid what, and where the money was going. Um, since that, I mean, we have uh, transparency through streaming on the internet now. If you take your uh, cattle to auction to an agent, uh, you can look online and see exactly what each head of cattle with an ear tag is selling for, uh, who's buying it, where the money went to. The reason they put this separation in there to begin with 
to where people in the auction markets could not have any interest financially in any of the processing plants or retail locations was that so that there would there would be a separation of these entities now that that transparency is not an issue and we know where the money is going this will allow smaller um, uh, small businesses basically in uh, our district in our state and in our nation to be able to allow them to expand their operations once again to grow these family businesses it's going it is going to bring the, the price of beef down uh, somewhat. I don't know if it's going to be dramatic, but every little bit helps. And so this is just uh, really updating our laws to make it commiserate, to make it easier for people to do business. And that's what I want to do, especially as a member of the Ag Committee and a member of the Small Business Committee. Every little bit helps. That's right. Congressman, uh, we appreciate you joining us uh, live to Brandon's Point. Obviously, for people in our area, the Missouri Pork Association is headquartered here in Columbia and the Missouri Cattlemen's Association and their cattlemen and pork producers in every county in our listening area and actually every county of our state and everybody eats. So this this bill would apply to them. I do want to go back to Brandon's question about the, the Packer competition, because that has been a complaint over the years that I remember hearing about it 30 years ago. Um, Congressman in Northwest Missouri, some of the smaller producers felt like, I mean, I, I can tell you what they said. They basically felt like the big meat packers at times were being unfair to them. Are we seeing similar things today? And how would your bill address that? Because Packers and Stockyards Act is a, is an old bill, but it's still on the books right now. It is. I think we need to take a, a, a look at the entire act. There are, I'm sure, some other uh, uh, points in the Stockyard Act that need a, a second look, third look, and, and, and update the Stockyards Act. And maybe that's something we will do as a team. But yeah, we need to level the playing field. I know that uh, we met with a packer yesterday here in our office, and I know that they have concerns uh, on uh, feed and fertilizer, the same concerns that the small packers do as well. I want to help those small packers. I want to help people like Republic uh, slaughterhouse there in Lone Jack. I want to help uh, people like the Herzogs down in Bates uh, County, a family that runs a great auction house down there. Uh, so we're going to be helping not just the the larger packers do a better job and bring the price down, but we're going to be helping the smaller ones as well. Our guest this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 4th Congressional District Congressman Mark Olver talking about the A-plus Act has to do with processing of livestock, ultimately potentially making prices for you and me cheaper. Also, do want to talk about uh, COVID vaccine mandates uh, here shortly. Uh, Mark Olver joining us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Mark, so much during the campaign, you talked to us time and time again about the chaos on the Mexican border. Mm -hmm. We've heard Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, saying we've got it under control. What's it going to take down there to square this away and get some oversight on it? Well, we finally got uh, President Biden down to the border. Uh, I don't know how much he actually uh, took in or understood while he was there. But I guess that's a first step. We've got to get this administration to admit, number one, that they do not have a secure border. That is the biggest lie I think the Secretary Mayorkas has perpetrated on the American people. And my take is, I guess he's saying that, so trying to maybe fend off uh, illegal aliens coming into our country. But the fact is, our our border is not secure. Uh, We've got serious issues with how it's being run, how it's being funded. 
And until we get some mechanisms in place, get Mayorkas uh, in front of our oversight committees and uh, that, that we can really hopefully force in some way him to start doing his job or uh, impeach him outright. And I'm, I'm personally for that. I know there's uh, quite a few people in the Republican conference that are for that as well. I think he's lied to the American people. I think he's lied to Congress. I think it's time for him to go. Yeah, uh, Congressman Alford, this is Steve Spellman. Uh, glad to be uh, with you here. Um, you know, I pr- can appreciate, you know, that Stockyards Act with, the, you know, it's 102 years old, you're saying, just really needs updating for modern times. And as you're wading through the D.C. swamp, I, I bet there's a lot of things mm-hmm. you run across like that, just archaic things. But I wanted to ask you about a hot topic that's in the news, you know, when the speaker vote was happening, um, you know, some of the holdouts like uh, Matt Gates in the Florida, et cetera. You know, use that as leverage to try to get some rules passed that to really have a, a conservative movement, uh, not just, uh, you know, the usual rhino type stuff with mm-hmm. a Republican uh, a Speaker of the House. But I want to ask you about the debt ceiling. That's been in the news and a lot of scare tactics about, well, we can't be fiscally have fiscal sanity anymore because, oh, it'll be all this scary stuff. Where are you at when that's coming up to actually use that as some leverage to get right. towards some kind of fiscal sanity, not a balanced budget today? But sometime in the future, just get some movement on that. Good question. The Speaker of the House at 3 o'clock our time is going to be at the White House today. And the White House is in, in, to talk with President Biden about this and try to get him to negotiate. We've been saying all along, the president, you can't just put your foot down and say, hey, give us some more uh, credit on our credit card. Yeah. When your kids uh, go out and take the credit card, and mine did this and I did this to my parents, you go out and uh, in college and you, and you, you run that credit card up. Uh, you cannot go back to expect to go back to your parents and say, "Hey, can you put another thousand dollars on my credit line?" And we're just not going to operate that way. We have bills we have to pay. We have to meet our obligations. We certainly do not want to uh, affect our credit rating in the world markets in any way. But we've got to use this now as a way to negotiate to cut spending. We can't keep spending money that we don't have and run up our national debt. Uh, almost $32 trillion now and put that on the back of our kids and grandkids. It's going to stop. And we now have, I think, the leverage, being in the majority, that we have a say in how this is going to happen. Uh, but the president has to has to get off his high horse, basically, and negotiate with Kevin McCarthy today. All right. Uh, our guest, 4th Congressional District Congressman Mark Halford. You're in uh, D.C. this morning? I'm sitting at my desk. My wife just flew up here. Uh, we've got the uh, National Prayer Breakfast tomorrow. I uh, met with the King of Jordan yesterday. Uh, House Armed Services did, and we got to hear from him. And then next week uh, is the State of the Union address. Very nice. Well, I, w- I wanted to ask, are you, I know you're busy. Uh, are you able to hang out for a few more minutes? Because I do want to ask about sure. the freedom for, okay, great. And our hospitals I in particular, nursing homes. I, I truly understand the challenge and the balance. And these are never easy decisions. But I cannot put people into harm's way. Because when you go into a healthcare facility, you expect that you're not going to come out sicker than you went in. I think that's something every New Yorker would expect. <sighs> the stupidity. Stunning. Kathy Hochul, governor of New York. By the way, I'm Brandon Rathard, Steve Spellman, guest co-host this morning. It's the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul. Said, and they have uh, this reporter, by the way, what I didn't play for you, this reporter say, hey, listen, we have thousands of people at some of these hospitals waiting to get in for health care. You fired health care workers that wouldn't get the vaccine. And now we have a crisis on our hand. Would you bring it back? And she says, I don't want to have people that haven't had the COVID vaccine in the hospital putting patients in harm's way. You'd rather have people die. 
Yeah. We'll have them die outside the doors instead of bringing them in. Yeah. The, the, and that's <clears throat> that progressive mindset. I'm not talking about a Kathy Hochul. I'm talking about any progressive. We see them locally. We see them statewide. Incredibly uh, stunning. The stupidity that's displayed. Congressman Mark Alford joining us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Uh, the CMS COVID-19 vaccine mandate imposed by the Biden administration. Uh, we said this was going to be a problem, and it now is a problem. Mark, can you offer us some hope? I wish I could. I know that our, our uh, Congress yesterday voted to end the mandate, and I think that's the first step. Uh, whether the Senate will go along with that is yet to be seen. Uh, we know that, well, everyone knows the pandemic's over, right? Uh, President Biden said back in September at the auto show, uh, he told, uh, I think it was Steve Pelley on 60 Minutes, hey, the pandemic's over. So why are we dragging our feet when the pandemic was uh, uh, in full rage. Uh, they immediately put these mandates into place. Uh, they immediately mandated that healthcare workers uh, get that vaccine once it came out. Um, and yet they're not willing to immediately do away with that. I think that's a big mistake. Our healthcare workers, we profiled one on the uh, floor yesterday, have been forced to make a choice, either comply with this mandate or fight for their jobs or leave the healthcare field entirely. Uh, we had a worker, uh, Melissa Thomas, who's been a healthcare worker there in Cass County for 40 years. She fought it. She eventually got an exemption, but there were thousands of healthcare workers, just like we've had in our military, who have had to deal with this pig headed government that we have that's telling them, you better put this in your body. We know what's better for you than you do, even though you're a healthcare worker and you're educated on medical matters. You better put it in or you can't work here. You cannot serve. Uh, the American people. I think that was wrong then. It's wrong now. And we have to make sure when the next pandemic comes up that this does not happen again. We need to put these safeguards into place. Yeah, Congressman Alford, you know, I was speaking with a, a local physician here, manages a, a doctor's group here in town, a local hospital, and he's having trouble finding physicians in the first place. The They're getting recruited yeah. by other hospitals because they're doing, and nurses are super short supply. Traveling nurses are uh, going all over the place, and there's just a shortage at large. And this ideology uh, that, oh, well, you got to have this vaccine or you're, you know, persona non grata, you're unemployable, it's just un American. They have made healthcare workers who refuse to put something in their body that the government mandates, they've turned them into second class citizens. Right. That is wrong. That is wrong. We need to realize that. And we had people, we had our good friends on the Democrat side, the other side of the aisle last night standing up defending this when the president has already said it's over and he's going to rescind it in may why wait till may do it now we are never going to have people not uh, getting sick from covid 19 just like we still have people getting sick from variants of what the spanish flu was back in 1918 that's uh morphed in every year we have a new flu uh virus right at least one, sometimes two, strains of that, and people die from that. We certainly don't want anyone to get sick. We don't want anyone to die. But we have to realize that we don't live in a – we're not going to live in bubble wrap. <laughs> this is not bubble wrap America. All right, Congressman Mark Alford, we appreciate you staying over with us. 30 seconds. John, anything left you'd like to ask the congressman? Mark, what have you heard since you've been on Capitol Hill about the future of the Keystone XL pipeline? 
Oh, man, that's something we certainly have to take a look at. I'm not directly involved with that. Uh, I have a good friend who's the chairman of the Natural Resources, Bruce Westerman, out of Arkansas, a great guy. I know that's a concern of his. And it's also a, a big concern for energy producers. We've got to, again, it, this is this pig-headedness that our administration has come up with. And and I don't know if they are just have it all out for uh, domestic energy production, but we have got to get back to being a energy producer and have a surplus like we did. We, you know, we did make some movement in, in, in kind of reining in the president on the strategic oil reserves, uh, which was a very stupid thing, I think, that the president of the United States did to put our nation at risk by basically putting this uh, oil in the market so uh, that he could uh, have a, a, a better midterm than he was going to have in the elections to bring gas prices down. Our strategic oil is not a political football, or it shouldn't be. He has made it that. We've got to capture that football, put it back where it belongs. Con and let Butker kick it through the uprise, brother. Exactly. <laughs> Go, Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Congressman Mark Alford, we're looking at his official schedule for today, 735. First thing on the congressman's schedule, uh, 735 Eastern time, wake up mid-Missouri interview. Very last thing on the congressman's schedule today birthday dinner with his lovely wife leslie please tell leslie everybody here on wake up mid-missouri said happy birthday we appreciate your time anything that we can do 